Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Cobiello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am grateful you've joined us for another episode of this podcast where I get to speak to amazing leaders week after week who share their insights with you, and I do hope they inspire you. And I do ask if you could share this podcast with friends, downloads, please. We love reviews. It enables us to continue to bring you great programming. And just know I am here for the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow. Navigate their challenges and opportunities with confidence. And today... It is my pleasure to bring on my guest, Ron Higgs, who is a veteran engineer, business executive, and a published author. He has so much in his background. I am grateful to have met him through the Fractional Professional Association and others, and I think his insights about his career and what he has done to serve so many businesses will be very impactful to my listeners. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Deb. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to our discussion. So Ron is amazing. First of all, he's a great speaker, and I know he's going to provide such great value. He and I are fractional professionals. I have my own business, Illumination Partners. Ron has his Wolf Management Solutions, but he has chosen the path to be able to help any business that needs him for his talent, his expertise, and a bonus comes with also developing the leaders of tomorrow. That is why I wanted to bring him onto the show, but I would like you to share a little bit with our listeners about your career journey and how you have arrived at this work. Wow. So I'll start at the beginning. I was lucky enough to be selected, attended and graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy. So leadership was ingrained in my DNA from the time that I was uh, 17 years old. Spent a career in the Navy flying airplanes and doing program management and acquisition, which is working with defense contractors on programs related to naval aviation and space. After I did my career in the Navy, I did a few different things in the aerospace and defense industry, including sales and business development. I got to fly for Boeing for a little while, and I was also managed the delivery of uh, military aircraft to the Navy. The common theme in most of what I've done throughout my career is leadership and technical leadership, being in the military, aircraft or technical, military aircraft even more so satellites, very technical. So I, I was lucky enough to be able to do things like that. But it came a time in my career in the aerospace and defense industry where I just decided that I wanted to go do something else. I just wanted to move on. So I left without a good plan, mind you, and started my own consulting business with consulting on leadership, leadership development, and executive coaching. Because again, that was sort of the common theme throughout my career, both in the Navy and out. 
So very interesting. And again, when you said, I'm going to start my own thing, how many people said you're crazy? How many people were cheering you on? Go, go, Ron, you were meant to do that. What was it like during that transition for you? Because I know I've got my story. It was scary and exciting at the same time. Well, I have the same story. And let's say more than 50% said I was crazy uh, to leave the comfort and uh, steady paycheck of the things that I were doing to leap off into the unknown and jump and build my parachute on the way down. But, you know, I did it. I could have had a better plan, but I wouldn't change anything. I mean, it started like I think other people start where I took anything I could get at first (laughs) and then started slowly refining and I said yes to everything. And then, then I protected my yeses, right? So I sort of narrowed things down into where I wanted to go. Now, just through pure luck and networking, I ended up with an opportunity to be a COO of a small company. And that was great. And I found this is my home. I love this. This is sort of where I belong. And that was right in the middle of COVID. So I had that job for 90 days before I got laid off due to COVID. So I stepped back, rebranded my consulting business as a fractional COO business. And I've been doing that since. It is scary to take the risk, but I have been talking to a lot of leaders lately that at the end of the day, the only people we can bet on is ourselves. And we need to believe in our talent. We need to believe that we've had to figure things out before starting new jobs, new careers, moving to new locations. We figured it out, but so often we judge ourselves by, oh, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. And we never reflect back on, but I did it in the past. And so we have to be able to take more risks and believe in ourselves. I wholeheartedly believe that. (laughs) So I would love to go here. So the advantages of fractional leadership, I didn't share this before we jumped on here. I am grateful, so grateful through referral that I am now also a fractional chief operations officer for a company. I love the small and medium-sized businesses. I love working directly with the leaders. And while they are agile and they can make decisions quickly, that's also frustrating working with all all the changes or the uncertainty, but it's the challenge. But I would love to know your perspective because it's fun work, it's crazy work, but you see a lot of advantages of being a fractional leader. Tell us more. Well, it is all of that at the same time. One of the things I think the biggest challenge as a fractional is to get people to tell you what's really going on. Because as any sort of consultant or fractional or somebody looking in from outside of an organization, you're not there full time. You don't really know a lot of the gory details of things that are happening, the interpersonal relationships. And typically when someone calls you and they say they have a problem with X, X is rarely the problem. X is normally a symptom of a larger disease. And then you have to evaluate the disease and then treat that. And it it takes a while as someone from outside. So I think that the ability to build relationships here is key. I think it's key in a lot of things, but building relationships with people in the organization to get you to tell them what's really happening is the biggest challenge. It, and it's exciting at the same time. And what you end up discovering is that whatever industry that you're in, a lot of the problems are the same. So I worked with a creative agency and you know, they thought that they had this set of unique problems. And lo and behold, I ran into this in an engineering organization before. So different product, different industry, but same kinds of problems. So in one point, it's really exciting to see something that you've seen before and you know you can solve. 
Like, oh yeah, I've seen that before. I could take care of that immediately. Or, and then running into something completely new and going, oh, well, this is a new one. And part of the benefit of these, you know, groups of fractional professionals and maintaining relationships with colleagues who do the same thing you do, you know, you could reach out and I could call you and go, Deb, I, I'm seeing this. Have you seen anything like this before? And if you say yes, it's like, well, what advice do you have? And that's the way we can support each other. So I, I, I really like all of those aspects of it. It resonates with me until you peel back the layers. Ultimately, again, maybe the client tells you what the problem is, but they just can't see what the bigger opportunity is. I was recently brought in and they realized that they really didn't know exactly what was going on in a particular part of their business. But as I dug deeper and was starting to do that discovery, I realized that there were things associated with competency of the staff. Maybe technically they look like they could do the work, but there are competencies that marry with that technical work that really help people be more successful. And they couldn't see that. And I had to Bring that forward. That's an area that we need to work with. Potentially also client relations. On the surface, they're paying their bills and we're providing services. But do you have a solid relationship? Only can an outside set of eyes maybe see that and then guide the leader that we serve on, this is the problem we really need to solve. So that's the fun of the discovery work. Yes, absolutely. And I think as fractional, we can provide a dispassionate view of the company, meaning we want to see them succeed right? But we're not wrapped up in any of the day-to-day drama and things like that. And you can look at things very objectively, and you're always looking for the health of the business. And especially where there are small businesses where the roles tend to be defined by the capabilities of the human being in that role. And then when the company starts to grow up, you find that you need specific things from that role. So in other words, if Tommy is the marketing director and also the facilities person and also the person that does the videos and things like that, when the company starts to grow up, then you have to list what do we need from the marketing director? What do we need the marketing director to do? And maybe Tommy can't do all of those things. An example of that is that I I worked with a company and they said, Tommy, Well, Tommy's not good with people, so we don't give him any people management responsibilities. Well, you cannot be a director in an organization and not have any people management responsibilities, right? Because the title of director means at the least you're managing managers. And so the company needs someone in that position to manage people. It's so interesting. You and I are sharing the same stories. I too went into an organization. I was brought in for a particular objective, get them a certification. But then as we poked around, we saw weaknesses in the leadership and they weren't able to keep up with what was needed now. And in the past, they were that go-to person. And one thing we have to separate is that these are people, these are humans, they are trying to do the best that they can. Maybe they're not able to develop new skills. And we have to make it such that maybe the company has outgrown or they've no longer able to be in the role that they started out because the needs of the company have changed. And it's no fault of anybody, but then the responsibility of leaders is this technical expert that grew up with the company. What value can they provide somewhere in the company? Maybe they can train people, even if they don't have necessarily the leadership skills. So it's very, very interesting as companies grow and these fractional leaders go in and see these opportunities. And just a quick note to my audience here, A lot of you, 15, 25, 30 years experience, we have to invest in our craft, but you might 
consider the fractional area. It is a little risky trying to find that next opportunity, but if you strategically invest in relationships in the network, it may be a lifestyle where you have gleaned high value from being able to be in service to people that really need your skills. But I would love just to pick your brain a little bit because some of my listeners out there are C-suite leaders of major companies. They're trying to do it on their own with the resources they have. What would you say to them to maybe consider the fractional leadership role to provide them the capability that they need now or maybe in the future? Well, you know, sometimes it's hard for folks to let go. And I don't know if it's sometimes it could be just a behavioral personality trait or it could be you know, a deep-seated, I don't necessarily trust some of the people that are in the organization. So I will ask a CEO, say, when's the last time you took a vacation? Or are you comfortable being out of the office? For how long? Why or why not? Right? And ideally, the CEO should be able to leave and go on a vacation and things should run if you have pushed decision-making down to the lowest level and empowered people. But that takes trust, training, finding, putting the right people in the right seat and those kinds of things, right? So can't do everything yourself. If you find yourself where you're just morning, noon, and night, seven days a week, 24-7, working in the company and telling yourself, oh, I can't find good help. I can't find good people. Maybe it's time to step back and get some help. As a fractional COO, and I'm sure you do this too, every engagement is unique. You start off by asking the CEO, well, what are the things you are best at? And people are going to be best at different things. So why don't we keep you in your zone of genius? And why don't we offload these things that you're you're not good at to someone else? And maybe it's not me. Maybe it can be handled at a lower level. Maybe we can find the right person to do it. And if that person's not ready yet, maybe we can level them up. So there are a lot of different things we can do, but you can't do it yourself. I mean, think about large tech company CEOs. Are these folks really capable of doing every job in the company and doing everything themselves? Think of a place like Boeing. That would be ridiculous, right? So push your decision-making, delegate, you know, trust and let others help you. And if nothing else, people like you and I can be that middleware or that enabler to develop the competencies in the people. So maybe they can fulfill those roles and you can trust and feel confident to delegate. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven-point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com and click on my products, the CEO's Compass and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. Now, I would love to go in another area. You say that you have been a C-suite leader, senior leader in many technical companies. And before we got on, we say there are challenges leading 
technical leaders. What's missing? What is it that holds them back that for which you come in? I know you do a lot of coaching, a lot of leadership development. What are those things that sometimes tech companies, while we love their technology, we love their degrees, they are challenged with and hold them back from being as successful as they can be? You know, I think, and, and I'll give you an example. Let's say I came from the aerospace and defense industry. So those companies are older. They've been around for a long time, and I worked for a couple of them. That industry, one, highly regulated. Two, you have to have a lot of process, right? Because there's safety. People's lives are at stake, right? When you're building airplanes, things like that. So you have to follow our process because safety is paramount. And I think some things, and then technical things, you know, are very process driven. So I think that bleeds over into everything. So we're building an airplane, but now let's step back. That means, and so that's very process driven. But if you go back and you talk about the human interactions, meetings, contracts, you know, some of the non-technical things, HR and everything like that, I think some of that process bleeds over to where they become over-processed in those areas. And then once you start over-processing things and you turn into a bureaucracy, all the people who the people who are innovative, the people who are creative, the people who do sort of the out-of-the-box thinking, those people are going to leave because they can't thrive. That just starts this spiral of the company into a bureaucracy. It gets so related. And this is very timely. I'm doing work with a highly technical client right now. And I was meeting with one of the engineers. We're talking about some failure analysis. And I said, you seem to be unable to detect a potential failure, whereas your customers are finding it. What do you need? Well, I need a new piece of equipment to be able to better detect the opportunity for success. I said, so what has happened in the past? Well, in the past, they didn't have enough money. And then I said, well, when was that asked? And they said, well, five years ago. And I said, oh my, five years ago, maybe it was a real issue. I said, but what prevents you now from putting forth the request? Well, it was the end of the year and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm saying, okay, so now we're throwing in that deflection when in actuality, they didn't understand how to articulate a message and an impact to be able to say, we need this now. And here is the ramifications or the opportunities if we invest now. So I had to coach the person on, well, why don't we bring in the engineer and let the engineer say, yes, we need this piece of equipment. Great. We'll leverage that and go to the higher up and influence that decision. They just never needed those additional skills to articulate a burning platform or be able to influence others. What other skills do you see? Because I see that is definitely a need for your coaching skills, my coaching skills. What other trends are you seeing that up and coming leaders just don't have? So my background in systems engineering, naturally go and ask others. You know, I look at something, let's say it's technical. I look at a technical problem and go, what does all these other things touch? You know, what other departments does this touch? And then I actually get up from my desk and walk over to that department and talk to another human being. You talk to them? (laughs) About it, right? Which is a lot of people don't do because I think people are uncomfortable outside of their departments, outside of their stovepipes. Like, okay, I'm in the operations department or in the case of you're building an airplane, I'm in the electrical engineering department. I'm in the flight control services department. And even though their systems interact, those folks don't talk to each other. So sometimes getting comfortable with talking with others outside of your organization is something to do. So I will tell you as a fractional COO, 
when I saw that, you know, it's like, let's do a cross-functional project. And my favorite cross-functional project is the onboarding process because it impacts everyone, right? You just pick people from all over the organization. It's like, hey, we're building a team. We're going to look at the onboarding process and see how we could make it better. And then finally, you get those people to, to start building those relationships and they get more and more comfortable talking outside of their department. So that's one of those things. I think people are, you know, we've got Slack, we've got email, we've got, we've got our phones, we've got all sorts of communications, and they're all excuses for somebody not to get up and go and talk to face to face to another human being. I think culturally, this is created by the organization because we hire this technical talent. We are very project and mission oriented. We tell these technical people to be heads down and get the work done. I remember working for an operations head. I said, we need you more in the operations, sharing your insights with people, sharing the vision, et cetera. And he says, I wouldn't worry about that. I'll keep my eye on the vision. I just want people heads down getting the result. And I said, oh my. I said, there is a missed opportunity for collaboration, for people aligning on the purpose and the vision to maximize the creativity of the people. When we force people to be heads down and be short-term focused, we create those silos for which then people just don't know how to interface with each other and have real conversations. That is an impact of leadership. So the leadership doesn't allow them to do that. So again, you're a student of this as well as leadership. That rolls down from the top, right? So if the leadership isn't doing it, what incentive does anybody else have to do it? So it's likely that that leader has his or her head down and only focused on their part of the organization. For which you and I go in and highlight that and try to break down those silos. (laughs) Now, I want to highlight the fact you are articulate. You know leadership. You've grown up in leadership. You coach others on better leadership, but you post a lot on LinkedIn. I had to grab this because I thought this was really impactful. The headline here is the most valuable thing that you have is your time. You spend a lot of time, a lot of your time saying, someday I'll do this. Someday I'll have that. Well, guess what? Some days are running out. It's real now. It's finite because there are actually more days behind than are ahead. It goes on and on. But again, as a business coach, tell us more about that because I want our listeners to really hear this because we do have only precious time. Well, again, I I truly believe that. I mean, the most valuable thing you have is your time. The second most valuable, I think, is your energy. But this podcast that you got that from specifically is called, it's called 10 Lessons It Took Me 50 Years to Learn. So you focus on on folks that are 50 or more. So that was one of those things when, you know, I got to be a certain age and it was like, well, wait a second. And this happened to me. It's like, well, someday I'll do this. Someday I'll do that. Someday I'll do this. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, kind of running out of some days, right? And then there's some personal things that happened. My father passed away when he was 59 years old, which isn't very old, right? And there are people whose parents probably passed away much younger. So when I get close to that, I'm like, well, wait a minute, things are beginning to be finite now. So don't think in terms of someday, come up with a plan and execute it. And sometimes it's okay to change your plan, but at least have one, right? I want to do this by this time. I truly believe, again, that time is absolutely the most valuable thing you have, but it's finite. And so, again, the plug, you are a great talent, Ron. I have some talent and skills. If you're a C-suite leader out there that is struggling and putting in so many hours, think about time. Think about it being finance. And while it might be a short-time investment in some external expertise in the long run, you may gain back that valuable time. I want to focus on the C-suite leaders for which you want to serve, I want to serve. 
But if they have not thought about external support, whether it's technical, fractional COO support, executive coaching, where maybe they got a great team, but they need a better team. What would you say to them now to help them maybe tip the scale in favor of seeking support, whether it's yours or mine or somebody else? Well, you know, COVID, through all of its chaos, really changed quite a few things. A lot of folks were brave enough to leave their corporate jobs and just focus on some of the things that they're good at. So there are a lot of really, really good people out there who are experts at HR in operations and all sorts of things and marketing. And if you can leverage them as a fractional, there are opportunities out there that weren't out there before. So so I read a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks a while ago, and it talked about zones of genius, right? So zone of genius, zone of excellence, zone of competence, zone of incompetence. And the idea is, of course, you don't want to spend too much time in your zone of incompetence, but you want to spend most of your time in your zone of genius. And so if you, let's say marketing is not one of your strengths, why not leverage someone who's spent years being a marketing expert who can come in and probably solve your problem in one-tenth the time that it would take for you to either do it yourself or maybe hire someone with not a lot of experience. And so overall, you're going to save money. And a lot of folks look at, hey, how much is this going to cost me now? But maybe a total ownership cost, right? So this is an investment upon which there will be a significant return. And if you look at it that way, I think you'll make the right decision. And one other area of expertise I want to highlight before we bring it to a close is the fact that you do coach leadership for the leaders of tomorrow. And I want to know if there is a piece of advice that you would give them that they can start doing now in order to be able to elevate their impact, even if they don't yet leverage your services in leadership coaching or mine. Well, you know, I think what got me to where I am is is sort of being an avid learner. It's one of my favorite things. So learn as much as you can. And in terms of leadership, even from the people who you consider bad leaders, because I have, unfortunately, I think I learned 51% of leadership from the people who weren't good leaders, but they were good enough to serve as bad examples to me for a long time. So take every opportunity you can to learn from others and then leverage others. I've never had an idea that someone else didn't make better. And then when you have colleagues and friends, lean on them, because I tell you what, your colleagues And those close to you are the people that can tell you what you're best at. It took me a long time to learn that. And so if you think you're an expert, I would wait for your colleagues and your peers to bestow that honor upon you. So in other words, if you want to know what you're best at, ask someone. Because typically, if you're really, really good at something, you're so good at it and it comes so naturally to you that you don't realize that it's one of your superpowers. And it takes somebody else to go, you're really good at X. And you look at them and go, Yeah, I guess I never looked at it that way. So again, you know, leverage others, leverage your peers, your friends, your colleagues, and learn as much as you can. So this has been a great interview, but before I bring it to a close, Ron, I am just going to do one more outreach to my listeners. I don't care where you are in your career, whether you're an aspiring C-suite leader or a C-suite leader. One of the things I talk about is the courage to ask for help. 
And Ron also talked about a network. He has a vast network of professionals that he knows, highly talented people that can come in and serve or you can learn from. And I too have a huge network. That's how I found Ron. I said, if you think there is a need to fill a gap in an area that you just don't understand or are not excelling, and it is a difference between just being a good company or a good leader and being great, have the courage to ask for help and reach out to Ron, reach out to me. We give away a lot of advice. We give you some insights, do it yourself, or maybe we can be of service to help you with your goals. So Ron, amazing interview. Thank you again. I am grateful to know you. I wish you success. I just want to say thank you so much for dropping in on the Drop-In CEO podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And I, as always, I will look forward to talking with you again. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this episode valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who would find it useful and inspiring. Your support allows me to keep sharing insights and inspiration to leaders who are working their way to the C-suite. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet... I wish you well and much success.